Open your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Our kids have all hit the age when they have their own kids, and they, they have some other family members other than us in their lives. That's hard for them to really get their minds around. But, but we tell them, now you need to go to their houses at holiday times also. No, don't just come to our house all the time. <laughs> Something like that. Um, so they have sort of taken upon themselves to kind of organize that. So this year, they're all coming at Thanksgiving, and you will have the privilege. I guess, I don't know if they'll all be here on Sunday or not, but uh, my son's a pastor. He has to work one day a week. You know how that is. But they'll all be here, and all five of our wonderful grandchildren, and we'll have a, a wonderful meal. I, I, I saw the, uh, the, the turkeys were advertised by Costco already. They're going to have fresh turkeys, and I can already visualize one of those coming out of my oven on uh, Thanksgiving Day. The kids have started a uh, Facebook uh, connection thing where we can plan what we're going to do on uh, the day after Thanksgiving and so on, and we're making our plans. Um, Our kids have grown up with certain uh, expectations of what will be on the table. Uh, We never set about saying, well, here's the 10 things we're going to have at Thanksgiving, but they just kind of fell that way, and now if we don't have them, something's missing, you know, and and we've got to have the whatever those certain foods are so everybody's happy. Um, how do you come to find a favorite food? Well, you come to find a favorite food by tasting a lot of food. Sometimes you're blessed by what you taste. Sometimes not so much. But you taste a lot of things, and gradually over time, and, and, of course, and for me, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I, I wasn't much for a lot of foods growing up, but as I became an adult, I tasted more things and tried more things and love all kinds of food. But there are some that are my particular favorites. I, I want us today to understand something about spiritual gifts. We started talking about spiritual gifts last week. Something very important, and that is this. If you want to find out how God has particularly gifted you, The only way to do that is to participate in a lot of ministries so that God can show you through your effectiveness how you can be best used by him or perhaps even how you might serve in a variety of ways with your particular strength. So what we're going to do today is review just a little bit and then review through the gifts and then talk about how God has asked all of us to participate in all of these areas of ministry. Follow with me as I read a few verses from 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each individual for the profit of all. Now verse 13, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we have all been made to drink into one spirit. And as I said last week, I will reiterate for those of you who weren't here, we're going to delve into this whole passage in terms of the the temporary and the permanent gifts in Sunday school at a future time. But today we want to understand simply this. Every Christian receives a spiritual gift at the moment of salvation. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability given by God to the Christian to accomplish God's work in and through the body of Christ. 
In fact, here it's called a manifestation of the Spirit. Do you know what that literally means? It means the Holy Spirit is going to make himself known through your life and ministry in some unique way. Now, not unique that's never been seen in the world, (laughs) but unique in the sense that God has in you, has put in you some ability to serve him, some ability for special effectiveness in accomplishing God's work. And it is the result of the Holy Spirit being in you. Verse 13 that we just read says, By one Spirit were we all baptized into one body of Christ. When you accepted Christ, the Holy Spirit put you into the body. And he gave you an ability. And what he actually is doing is making himself known through you. God has created the body of Christ, more commonly referred to as the church to be the living organism that makes disciples. The whole point of spiritual gifts is this. We, as a local part of the body of Christ, are to be making disciples. That means if somebody comes in here who doesn't know Christ as Savior, our net effect ministry should be that they come to know Christ and they believe in him and they start to walk with the Lord. Likewise, we should be going out into the parking lot and into our neighborhood and into wherever God takes us day by day with a net impact of making disciples as God helps us to do so. When people come in here, as you have come today, the net effect should be that all of us working together cause the body of Christ to grow, the individuals and the whole. We, the, the, the ministry on Halloween night is a marvelous, a marvelous example of how people with all kinds of abilities from God came together and served together. And as a result, a hundred families became aware of our church that perhaps weren't aware in the same way they were before. And God willing, some of those families will, will have some further connection. At some point, God will save some of those people. We all work together to accomplish God's work. But speaking the truth in love, We may grow up in all things to him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by what every small piece supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, You have been given a gift for the profit of all of us. Your spiritual gift was not given to you so you can feel good about yourself. It was given to you so you can minister to other people and serve them. What a great blessing from God. Now I've given you a a, a chart there on your page where you can fill in the blanks if you'd like. We are going to talk through these gifts and some relevant scripture just reviewing what these spiritual gifts are. And the ones that we have listed are the ones that we believe by God's grace have continued and are permanent for our time. And the first one that I've listed is teaching, which is helping people understand God's word. A verse like this, enunciate what this gift would entail. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. God has gifted some of you to teach the Word of God. And now, we have school teachers, and I'm sure that they all do a fine job. I hear good things about them when I hear. Um, 
But just because you are a professional school teacher doesn't necessarily mean you have the gift of teaching from God. Uh, we have people that are managers in their business, but that doesn't mean you have the gift of leadership, you see. But some of you have been gifted to teach. And the gift of teaching would be the ability to take the word of God and to explain it to someone and say, look, do you see this truth and this truth and this truth and how it comes together? And they look at it and they go, oh, I get it. That's the gift of teaching. Next gift on our list would be the gift of pastor-teacher, which is a, a, encompasses the idea of teaching, but it goes beyond that, leading the local body of Christ by the word of God. 1 Timothy 5.17 says, Let the elders who rule well be counted of, worthy of a double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Um, I think I probably have the gift of pastor-teacher. I don't say that arrogantly. I'll tell you at the end of my sermon about how I began to discover that. But I think there are other people who might have the gift of pastor-teacher as well. Do you know that I believe women can have the gift of pastor-teacher, but not the office of a pastor? See, the Scripture makes it very clear that men are supposed to be in leadership in the church, and there's some scriptural reasons for that. But it doesn't mean a woman couldn't be gifted to lead other women and to teach them the Word of God in such a way as to to do the work of a shepherd. You know, a, a shepherd leads, guides, protects, directs, helps people grow in the Lord. The gift of pastor-teacher. Gift of administration, which uh, there are two words that deal specifically with leadership in the gift list. This one seems to emphasize the, uh, the idea of organization. Organization that facilitates ministry. If we're going to accomplish something like the Halloween uh, outreach that we did, somebody has to organize that thing. And uh, that gift of organization is very important in the body of Christ. Sim- very similar to that is the gift of leadership. The word leadership uh, literally means to be able to stand up front. And it, it perhaps has more of the idea, maybe organization is more of a behind-the-scenes leader, whereas leadership is more of an upfront kind of leader. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. In Acts chapter 6, they came to a hard time. There was some, some, some struggle going on in the church because the ministry wasn't being carried out too well. And so the leaders stood up and said, now here's what we need to do. Here are some parameters. Here's the target we need to get to. And then the congregation kicked in and said, okay, we'll participate in that. We'll find these seven men. And they found the seven men, and the seven men were brought forward, and the leader said, those are good men. And they were vested with the, uh, uh, the, the responsibility of that ministry. And the result of that is that the church f- significantly Uh, served together better. More ministry was accomplished. Leaders need to lead. Next gift on our list is the gift of exhortation, which seems to be uh, strengthening believers. I I came across this word in connection with exhortation this week, and I think it's the the prime word, because we're going to see some other words in a minute. You'll, You'll understand the difference. The word exhortation literally means to come alongside and help someone. 
But there are other gifts that talk about showing mercy and compassion and so on. This gift seems to be one that comes alongside and perhaps says the things that people need to hear to help them keep going forward in the Christian life. It's not, it's not like coming along and beating them over the head with your Bible, but it's coming alongside and finding the things that maybe they have missed or the encouragements they need through the Word of God so that they can be helped to move forward. Gift of exhortation. Then the gift of evangelism. I'm very excited to talk about this. You know, I, I, as I've been doing some, some homework for my uh, master's degree that I'm taking, I'm, I'm studying some things and reading some things and thinking about things I haven't thought about bef- for a long time. And I can guarantee you, in eight years, I've never stood up here and said this. Somebody here, at least somebody, maybe some of you, have the gift of evangelism. And I want to challenge you to think about that. What's the gift of evangelism? It's the gift of helping people to become believers. Now, you'll see in a minute, we're all supposed to be doing this, but some people are especially gifted at connecting with unbelievers and sharing the gospel truth and helping them come into the body of Christ. And I'm not sure who you are, but I think you're here. And I have some ideas one of the ideas that, that, I, that I just read last night was this. If you are passionate about outreach, this might be your gift area. And so I want you to be thinking about, I want you to be thinking about all of these areas, but I, sometimes we don't think about the gift of evangelism. The gift of evangelism seems to be like the gift of giving. You know, nobody wants to have the gift of giving. They want to have the gift of getting And a lot of times we really don't want to have the gift of evangelism because it's a little scary. But I tell you what, if you have the gift, it will not be scary. It will be the most exciting thing that you've ever gotten involved with. And I'm convinced uh, that part of the way we're going to help you find the gift of evangelism is by us talking about these gifts and continuing to work to develop a mentality that says, God has has put in you some special ability. And we need to find what that is. The gift of giving, meeting needs for life and ministry. Gift of helps. Um, uh, as simple as that sound, it, it literally means to carry somebody's burden, to take somebody's burden onto you. And that's why I say it's a little different than exhortation. Exhortation is when we come alongside the person who is struggling and perhaps give them some instruction that they need. Whereas the gift of helps would be come along somebody that's struggling and, and sort of hold the load for them, if you will. Here's an example of the gift of helps. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who helped. The one who helped. It's a fellow from the church. I think he carried the offering from the Philippians to Paul. And then Paul said, I needed to send him back because you were concerned about him. But he, he was a helper. He's not talked about it as an evangelist. He's not talked about as a pastor, a teacher. He's a helper. Now, he was a significant helper, but he was a helper. Then the gift of mercy, encouragement in times of difficulty. The, gift of mer- the word mercy is the same word where God has mercy on us. That is, he doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us grace instead. And so somehow the gift of mercy is the ability to come around and have compassion and sympathy and, and encouragement for people that are struggling. Now, again, we're, we're all supposed to be involved with this, but some of you are gifted in it. 
And then the last one, uh, ministry, which is the word we get our word deacon from, and it's not talking about the office of deacon, but the word, the act of serving. Literally would mean the idea of serving or carrying out somebody's instructions, serving in God's work. Those are the gifts that we believe are permanent. And, and, and I just would say this, first of all, everybody here who's a believer in Christ has at least one of those gifts off that list. And part of the reason I've given it to you on a little, a little note page is hopefully so you'll take it down and, and start praying about it. And say, God... I want to know how I can serve you best. I don't want to know what I'm good at so I can stop doing other things. I don't want to know what I'm good at so I can do one of those. I just want to know how I can be the most useful for you. I'm convinced as I've been thinking about this with myself that it's not even a matter of choosing some activities and deleting other activities, but it may be how you carry out activities. Now, um, I want to transition to a different, to the, I guess what I'd say the, uh, the real theme of my sermon today, the, the part of it that is for today. Um, these are the spiritual gifts that God has given to the body of Christ. You have one or more of these gifts, but how can you know what gift or gifts you have? Here's the, here's the big point today that I hope you get. I believe the way that you will know what gift or gifts you have through active and varied service to God. Through active and varied service to God. I heard it put this way years ago. You can't steer a parked car. You can't steer a parked car. What's that mean? That means God wants all of us to be busy in the ministry, and as we get busy, God could reach down and go, hey, see that right there? That's where I want you to go. But as long as you're sitting on your hands or not doing much ministry or limiting yourself to only one kind of ministry because I just know that's what I'm supposed to do, if you limit yourself in those ways, you may well miss what God wants you to do. We need to be busy in all kinds of God's work. And so what I want to do now is go through a series of scriptures that talk about how we should be busy in all of these areas. The first one is Colossians 3.16 in regard to teaching. Look at this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. And the word admonishing is very close to exhortation. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. God says, look, believers, you should all be engaged in teaching one another. One of the ways you do it is through singing. Did you ever think about the fact that music is more than just a nice tune that rattles around your head? You know, you remember the music from commercials, you know. You deserve a break today. That's way old, way old. Yeah, I know. But you remember it because it's musical. God says you can use music to teach one another. Music is not a spiritual gift. It may be a natural gift that God allows us to have and develop. But it's, 
But God says we are all to be teaching one another. And I'm only going to give you some scripture as examples of this. There is always going to be a time in your life for every Christian when you need to teach God's word to somebody. If you're a parent, you've got to be able to teach it to your children. Shame on you if you say, well, it's not my job. It's not my gift to teach my children. I'm going to take them to church and the church will teach them the Bible. Boy, don't ever say that when I'm listening. Because God has given specific instruction that says it is your responsibility, moms and dads. So we all need to be working at understanding God's truth. In fact, the same thing is true about the gift of pastor-teacher. God has given all of us responsibility in terms of the teaching and leading in various areas. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Therefore, comfort each other and build each other up, just as you are also doing. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient to all. That could be a job description for a pastor right there. that right, Ralph? Yeah. You know, and, and, and the, the pastor-teacher does this with the Word of God. This is a command for all Christians. We should all be looking around saying, who needs to be comforted? We should comfort them. Who needs to be built up? I'm going to build them up. Who needs to be warned? I'm going to go and say, brother, sister, something ain't right. Who needs to be comforted when they're faint-hearted? Who, ne- who is weak and needs to be held up? You see, God expects all of us to do this, but not perhaps on the same level that the gifted pastor teacher does. The next gift on our list is, is administration and leadership. And I've just used one verse to refer to both of these areas of leadership. Romans fifteen fourteen says, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, able to admonish one another. The idea here is this. The person who admonishes a brother looks at their life and says, Something is not right. They look and they say, you're not hitting the target for the Lord. And he says, I'm convinced that you are all able to look at a person's life and see that something isn't right. That is leadership. Leadership is when when we help people hit God's target or when we help the body of Christ hit God's target. The next gift on our list, exhortation, strengthening believers. And these, this verse will be familiar to, to you. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Stirring up love and good works. This is something for all of us. When we're talking to somebody and they're, maybe they're talking about something they're going to get involved in that isn't right, we should be saying, hey, is that, is that a godly good work you're involved with? Or maybe... Uh, you know, you, you know who uh, did that today and who did that two or three weeks ago? Andrew. Andrew did that with a video. Three weeks ago or two weeks ago, whatever it was, he stirred us up to love and good works. He played that song, if you got to start somewhere, how about here? Right after we heard the missionaries talk and, and, and I thought, oh my goodness, you're absolutely right. If you got to start somewhere right here, And he played that song and showed us these pictures and we all went, oh. And we were all stirred to love and good works. That's exactly what this gift is about and about what this activity is is about for Christians. The next gift on the list, the gift of evangelism. Look what, this is Jesus talking to a couple of guys, not a couple of apostles. 
He said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. There's two guys walking home from the what we call the Passion Week. They've been, they've been in Jerusalem to, to worship the Lord, and then this whole crucifixion thing happened. And here's these two guys walking home, and it appears that they were, they were believers in Christ of some sort, and they're all sad. And Jesus comes along, and he taught them. He taught them about himself from all of the scriptures. But here's what he told them. This wasn't to the apostles. It was just to two guys. He said, this is supposed to be preached in all nations. And they went skipping down the road, had him over for dinner, and were all excited when he left. Folks, we're all supposed to be involved in the work of evangelism. Now, sometimes when we think of the word evangelism, we think of just a formal presentation of the gospel truth. Maybe we think of a guy who comes around and, and as one author I read said, he's got 10 suits and 10 sermons, and he's here for 10 days, and he preaches the gospel for 10 days, and then he's gone. We say, well, I don't have that gift. Well, no, you, you don't. But we're all to be involved in evangelism. We're all to be going about our life saying, is there somebody God wants me to talk to today? Um, I'm going to start praying about a new friend at McDonald's. Some of you who have been here a while know that the Lord brought somebody to me, and I witnessed to him, and he came to the Lord. He's not here today. He's usually sitting. Well, God, God knows I don't know where he sits now. But there's a worker down there who, who always seems to kind of talk to me. And he, when he figured out the other day, you know, he said, yeah, I saw your car at the church. And I said, well, that's where my office is. And he didn't track with that at all. And then he, he said, I said, well, I'm the pastor at the church. So that's, I go there, you know, I'm, I go other places and do work too, but I'm there. Oh, oh, that's cool. I thought, hey, he doesn't hate the fact that I'm a pastor so I can talk to him. I, I, I'm going to start as a kid. Uh, I don't know if he's in high school or just out, but I'm going to start praying about him and, and just trying to witness to him as I can. I don't think I have the gift of evangelism. I think I have the gift of teaching, and I can teach people into the kingdom. But, but I'm not that guy that talks to people about the Lord, and they drop down and give me a prayer right now. Uh, one time in 31 years that happened. And that guy's still walking with the Lord, and I rejoice in that. But the rest of the time, it's like this. And I'm teaching, I'm teaching, I'm teaching. And pretty soon people go, oh, I get it. And they believe in Christ, and I rejoice in that. So I'm not a gifted evangelist, but I'm supposed to be doing evangelism. I'm supposed to be sharing Christ however I can, wherever I can, whenever I can, just doing it. And I've got to do better at it, to tell you the truth. But we're all supposed to be doing this work. Giving. Meeting needs for life and ministry is a special gift, but it's also something we're all supposed to do. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be proud or to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. I got news for you. Almost everybody here is rich in this present age. And if, if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago to see the presentations from Africa, um, I'll show you some pictures. I can show you pictures from Africa or Bangladesh or from China, for that matter, and help you understand that you are rich. And so God says, look, rich Christian, 
Are you trusting in money? Are you laying up money because you trust it for your retirement, for your needs? Or are you trusting in God so much that you can give some away of what you have? Be rich in good works. I tell you what, my wife and I are excited about giving some money to some projects. We're going to give some to that nursing thing that Sharon Rahili was talking about. and to the, We're going to leave some of our money in that hospital that's being built in Togo. Could you do anything better? Man, that excites me. There's a church being built in Madrid, Spain. An evangelical church is going to have its own building on land given by the government. And our missionaries have established that church. And I'm going to leave some of our money in that church. Wow, what a great thing. Do I have the gift of giving? I I don't think so. I don't know, frankly. I've known a couple people who I thought maybe had that gift. But I know it's my privilege to give. Now, sometimes it's hard to write the check. But it's my responsibility and my opportunity. The gift of helps. Acts 20, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. The Apostle Paul lived his life in such a way so as not to be a burden on folks. He was a tent-making missionary. That's a term we use from his life because he literally made tents. There were people who lived in tents in that day, and he had the trade of making tents. And so there were times in his ministry when he would come into a town and he would make tents to support himself while he witnessed and while he preached and while he established a church. And he said, the reason I have done this is to show you you need to support the weak. That is, you need to help those who are struggling. We have an opportunity for you to help those who are struggling today. Mike, I want you to pay attention to this, especially because we need to get out the offering plates for the Benevolent Fund. This is one way for you to practice the, the, uh, the art of giving as well as the, uh, the art of helping. Our missionaries in Thailand, Rick and Lisa Kaner, are in a, a life-and-death struggle for her health because she was in a car accident, and she's been in, she was in a coma for like a month, and then a semi-coma for two or three more weeks. And this yesterday, uh, when was it? Yesterday or the other day, Lisa mouthed two things. We didn't actually hear a sound because of the tracheotomy. She has a tube to help her breathe. But it was crystal clear. Her first mouthed, her first mouthed words, praise the Lord. I brought Kristen in, this is Rick talking, I brought Kristen in to make sure it was actually what I thought it was. And she said it again, and there was no doubt about it. Later she looked at me twice and mouthed, I love you. Wow. They, they have not even known if she's going to be anything more than a vegetable, as we say, or in a vegetative state. And here she wakes up and says, praise the Lord. Now, they need to fly her home. And we're going to be giving a gift out of some reserve missionary money we have, but we're also going to give a gift out of our benevolent fund. And when you leave today, the benevolent fund offering plate will be out. And this is your opportunity to... This is an opportunity to support the weak. 
Now, I hope you don't think that, that giving is the only way to support the weak. We've, you know, we've got four people right now working through cancer in various stages in our church. Uh, cancer or maybe cancer, having people coming back from surgery, facing surgery. We've got all kinds of opportunity to support the weak. And Christian, here's what I want you to get today. It is your responsibility. It is not the responsibility of the gifted only. If I understand how this is working out, the gifted will be taking the lead to help all of us show mercy and helps. That's the way it should be working. But when you hear about the need, you need to say, God, I've got to do something. I, I have to help. It is my responsibility. Gift of mercy. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. God says that we should be developing the character of mercy. I remember in... Bible college, my theology professor talking about spiritual gifts, and he said, and he was also the pastor of a local church, he said, you know, I'm not that great in a hospital when I'm visiting somebody. My tendency is to look at them and say, I'll tell you why you're laying in that hospital bed. You know, he had the gift of exhortation and teaching. But even so, he knew that he had to cultivate the characteristic of mercy. You may not have the gift, but God wants you to have the activity. And the last one on the list is the word ministry. And I've chosen a passage from Romans 10, which just talks about a bunch of different things. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. That's a broad passage with a whole series of commands because I believe the gift of ministry is a serving gift that's very broad. And you may be gifted by God to do a whole series of things in the body of Christ. Now, having said that we're to all be involved in all of these areas, let me balance that a little bit. We are commanded to do all kinds of ministry as God leads and enables. We are not all commanded to hold every position in the church. See, it would be real easy to get crazy and say, well, Pastor Dave says we're all supposed to do all of these things, so I'm going to be the pastor this week. And then, Bob, it's going to be your turn next week. Because Pastor Dave says we're all supposed to be doing all these things. No, it's not about a position. It's about an activity. God has called us to all these kinds of activities, not necessarily all of these offices. If you're serious about finding out how God has gifted you, let me give you four points. And in fact, if you're looking at your notes, they're on the application section. Take this sheet of notes and make a little service journal for yourself. Think about the things you're currently doing in God's service and note them under the appropriate gift. Let me back up right here. Come on, come on. Right there. Whoops. Look at this list and just go through the things you're doing for the Lord and say, well, this is kind of like this and this is kind of like that. And this is kind of like the other. And just kind of look over what you're doing and see where it fits. Number two, 
Look and see if there are some blank spots in your ministry journal, some areas where you have been avoiding service, some areas where you've been saying, oh, I don't want to do that or I don't like that. And, and just open yourself up to God's leading. Maybe God will send somebody along right after church and go, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, could you help us with this? And it'll be one of those areas and you're going to go, oh, I just knew that was going to happen. But here's what I want to challenge you to do. Just, just do it. Just do it, not because you think you're an expert, not just to get the job done, but so maybe you'll find out how you are in that job. Maybe you'll find out you're gifted in an area that you never expected. Number three, take note. Take note. Don't get all puffed up with pride. But take note if somebody comes along and says, man, that was a great job. You did a great thing there. And take that to your prayer closet and say, God, help me to see where the giftedness lies here. I I did something for you and it was really good, but I'm not sure how that speaks to my area of giftedness. Now for me, as I've been meditating on this the last few weeks, um, I've thought about this idea of teaching and and I realized that that I'm not a great evangelist, but I can teach people into the kingdom. And, 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 and there are a lot of other areas that I might not be strong at, but maybe I can use this ability to teach in other areas. Maybe I can lead through teaching. I don't know how all of it is, but I'm, I, I'm kind of in a new mode for myself, trying to see what is it that God does. I, I've had the opportunity to be called in to do some work at some other ministries over the years. And as I looked back this last time, I went down just a few weeks ago to a place, and I looked at that and I said, why does God always call me into this kind of situation? And I, Because I've been thinking about this, and I thought, okay, well, there's got to be something that God has put here that he knows needs to be in this thing. So look at your life that way. Just step back for a minute and, don't, and stop saying I can or I can't and just go, God, how, how do you want to use me? Try some things out. As you begin to find your giftedness, don't limit your areas of service. Rather, approach various ministries from your gifted perspective. Hmm. When I was 19, I committed myself to live for God. Um, I had more or less been living in my own way, and I came to understand that. I, was, I believe I was saved before that time, but I gave myself wholly to God. And I sensed that God might be asking me to take the office of a pastor, but I did not know if that's where I belonged. Nobody from outside was coming in saying, Oh, Dave, you should be a pastor. They were probably going, Oh, Dave, you're going to be a pastor? Ooh, you know. <laughs> So it was only, boy, it was within a month or less after that, I was in a a group that was to travel around and represent the college that I went to. And every guy in the group was given the task of preaching a 10-minute sermon at the conclusion of a concert. And it was supposed to rotate around. There was four of us, so every fourth night it would be my turn to preach a 10-minute sermon. And uh, I remember getting my little sermon net ready (laughs) you know, sermonettes for preacherettes. And uh, you won't believe it, but my first attempt at preaching was supposed to be 10 minutes long. It was only five. (laughs) And I was struggling to get five minutes out. (laughs) I was terrified. But I kind of liked it. And I just kept working at it that summer. And you know, by the end of the summer, I had a good 10-minute sermon ready. (laughs) 
don't know how many times I preached it, but, but I got it right eventually. Preaching that sermon wasn't my idea. I didn't ask for that. In fact, when they told me I was going to do it, I didn't want to do it. But I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. You told me I, I need to do it, I'll do it. And that led to right here today. Because God made himself known. I want to challenge you, friends, that the ministry of Christ is the greatest adventure on earth. And so lay down the rules you've written and let God show you through ministry involvement where you belong in your service to him. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for gifting us. That is a privilege And we're so thankful. Thank you for guiding us so that we can find how to serve you well. Father, I pray that you will help every person here to become convinced of your ministry in them and through them. And I pray that as they serve you, that you will bless them. And give them the joy that only comes from you. Work in us today. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.